Looking to revamp your organization's culture? The Small Giants Community Summit is an annual event in Detroit that brings together purpose-driven leaders from all over the world. Our next summit is April 26th through 28th, 2022, and will focus on the theme of Culture Reboot. The past couple of years have brought on a lot of change, and we want to find the human element amidst it all. We'll have speakers and panelists dive into fresh perspectives on topics like onboarding, financial transparency, and mental health. Visit the Small Giants website to register for your ticket to the summit today. Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. My guest today is Kate McCray. Kate is the Chief Caramel Visionary at McRae's Candies. What a great title. She started her career as a scientist in remote Alaska, but is now 10 years into running a candy business with her husband. She believes owning a business is many things, none of which are addressed on the cover of business magazines. Isn't that true? Well, welcome, Kate. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, uh, there's just so much to uh, dig into here, but uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing you now for a few years as you've been part of uh, one of our peer groups in the uh, Small Giants community and just heard about your journey and and many times have tasted the wonderful candies that McCray's produces and sends out. So at the beginning, I'll get that out of the way. If anybody wants incredible caramel candies, go to McCray's Candies website. But, um, But this is about you. And I want to understand how you got into business and went from being a scientist to selling candy. Right. So it's not as big of a leap as it sounds sometimes um, because candy is really sugar chemistry. We we were both scientists, both Jason and I, and um, had sort of morphed over time from being intensively in the field you know, out in these remote areas, once we had kids sort of sort of transitioned to closer to home jobs and, and, and found ourselves in a completely different place from where we started um, in 2008, when the economic downturn led to Jason's being laid off. And we really had this conversation about like, wanting to get back to real science and, and also staying engaged with people. And, um, Jason started making caramel with with a lab book next to the stove. And we had a lot of conversations about how we were using the sugar molecules to stabilize the candy so that we didn't have to use um, preservatives. And before you know it, he had formulated something people wanted to buy. So here we are. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how many of us can picture having a, a molecular chart next to us while we're making candy. <laughs> Uh, but but you guys are a different breed and and so um what what got you the itch to say okay we're going to turn this delicious thing he's making in the kitchen and actually go out and start a business i think that we had you know it's easy to look back now and see that we had sort of had this itch to 
to, to step into the business world from the angle of just really wanting to be makers, to be wanting to be creators of something. Um, mm. And once Jason had this amazing formulation and we, we really started looking at it, seeing that it had legs, we both really were enjoying it. Um, it was kind of not a huge step to then start taking it to markets. And once we were engaged with people, it, it's kind of addictive. <laughs> Uh, to really see the look on someone's face when they pop a piece of this caramel in their mouth mm. and it all lights up and it just was great fun. Well, that's still a long ways from running a, a, a business that employs people and ships all over the place and tries yeah. to be profitable. Uh, yeah. So today, what's the scope of the business size? Um, you know, how many employees you have, uh, if you can yep. share revenues range or something like that. Sure. Sure. Um, so we now have a, a range. So right now we have 18 employees, full-time employees in the peak season that can go as high as 25. Uh, we are, approaching 2 million in revenue and are uh, growing fast. It's, it's exciting and, and scary. And you're right. There's a lot, a big difference between being really excited behind the table of a farmer's market and, and where we stand today. Yeah. It's been a journey. <laughs> it, well, it's still a journey, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in terms of, if you look back at the biggest lessons learned and congrats, by the way, on the growth you've had so far, it's been really tremendous to see and, and great to watch, but what do you look at as the biggest leadership challenges that you have faced certainly in the last few years? Hmm. Well, uh, of course there's the, the challenge of growing into the leader that, your business needs you to be, that you have to be, to be successful. I think really digging in to learn, okay, what's missing, you know, because we've certainly had our years of the business growing, but costing more than what it was earning, um, mm. which is a terrifying place to be. And learning how to take control of that while at the same time managing, you know, the people and the growth of the, you know, the business, the demand for that candy, especially in fourth quarter. I don't know if that specifically answers your question, but it was sort of like that learning what I don't know, what is it? I don't know that I need to, I need to learn has been our biggest challenge. And um, I also think our biggest strength in, in the sense of, not being afraid to go out and say, we're doing something wrong, <laughs> help. <laughs> well, that's certainly been my experience with you is that you've never been afraid to ask uh, for help mm -hmm. and be vulnerable and genuine about that. And so uh, I think that's a really important trait of any great leader is to you know, know what you don't know. And you, don't, you didn't know anything about get, what it meant to be a business person or a leader. And now, and you have been in business with your husband, how's that like? Surprisingly, that, that has been pretty fine. I mean, we, we do very different things in the company. Um, 
Uh, and so we're not constantly sort of, we don't have a tug of war about, I think it should be this way. I think it should be that way. We tend to do different things. <laughs> and I apply the same principles to that um, working relationship that I do to everything else, which is if it's really a struggle, I, I will go and find someone who's done it well and ask, how should, how do we navigate this, you know? But overall, we've, we've managed to keep ourselves relatively separate, which I think is, is one of the keys to, uh, to us being able to work together and live together, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had a business with my two brothers and, and uh, I, I think that's the only thing that kept us from killing each other was the fact that our talents were completely different and, and, yes. and kind of complementary and we needed each other and didn't mean we didn't fight at times and disagree, but we sort of respected the talents that the other person had and, uh, and stayed out of each other's way. So um, that sounds like it's worked really well with you and Jason. Um, but if I take you back, uh, even in, you know, as you think back to the sensibilities that have gotten to you this, to this point as a leader, um, were there some early influences, even in your childhood? I mean, tell me about your folks or, or any early mm. jobs that you might have had. Mm. I so you know, my parents always encouraged me to be independent. I'm an only child, and my mother was very concerned that I would be sort of stuck to her for my whole life. So she really encouraged my independence, encouraged me to get out and and do things on my own. Um, travel on my own, you know, younger than, than uh, we would probably approve of now in this modern day. But, um, but those experiences really left me with that freedom to ask people uh, that I didn't necessarily know for help mm. if I needed help. I was a dancer as a, as a young woman. And, you know, that certainly gave me that sense of practice every day, keep going, keep going, come back to something that does, doesn't work and try again. Mm. Um, and, and, I, and I certainly was influenced by my training as a scientist and my um, field work, you know, going out into remote mm. wilderness, being in the remote wilderness where you don't have access to anything uh, at, in any kind of a timely fashion. In other words, if you're out with doing some kind of sampling and you've forgotten something, there is no getting it. So you have to, you, you have to improvise. And, and I think that trained me to just think in a way that is very conducive to, to business it is, you know, it's it's innovation that is in way back then it was just it was the way things had to be done but now i've seen it come into play um, both for jason and i where we are solving business problems in this kind of with this kind of innovation mindset you know what do we have in the resource pile that's what we used to say up at up at tulik the field station you know go see what you can build and and many many times we've had scenarios even recently when you know we're not able to get boxes or we're we're not able to get lids for our tubes because of the paper shortages you know all right let's go to the resource pile and see what we have so that we can continue to make our customers happy and not have to say sorry you can't have candy 
because we don't have any boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that those are really big influences, obviously, from your mom. And uh, we, we have two kids and our daughter is the oldest. And you gave me just this vision of, of what I we saw all the time was her literally hanging on her mom. Uh, every time she was being dropped off anywhere and she has a brother, but still we, uh, we had to really, um, push that independence. And so, um, and, and of course being out there as a scientist in the remote areas and, um, learning to improvise the resiliency necessary to do that. I think that all, all contributed for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. when I, I remember a few years ago, um, and we were talking about in the, in the community as part of the community where we focus on culture and values and purpose. Uh, I know you were always aligned with that, but it seemed that, that you had some more basic challenges really, like you said, about running a profitable business and had mm-hmm. to really step back and say, all right, um, what do we need to do to get on track? Cause it's one thing to make people, uh, feel good and smile um, based on tasting your product. But if you can't create profitability that supports you and Jason and the employees that you have, uh, it's going to be hard to sustain that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That was a huge challenge for us because, well, I mean, we weren't, we were not trained in business and we just also, I think, you know, we were maybe going to the wrong people for advice, which we figured out um, really after attending Small Giants, ta- talking with people who had walked the walk, business owners, not lawyers and accountants and, you know, people who just, I, I don't I don't know how to say it. I don't mean to be sort of... Um, implying that they didn't care, but we got some very interesting advice that when we went and talked to real business owners and said, no, 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 you know, um, you are walking down the wrong path. What we were finding was that we were, we would, we were growing so fast that each year we were essentially in, in more debt. We just couldn't um, get on top of our cash flow and we couldn't, uh, we were having a serious problem with um, capital that was too costly and not really being able to get on top of that. And so sitting down with people, and as we said earlier, just being willing to say, okay, like we are doing what people are telling us to do um, and, and we're doing it wrong. There's something wrong. And then sort of being asked to, okay, well, walk back what you've been told and think it through, right? It's not necessarily a good idea to kind of grow at all costs is, mm-hmm. is the way I would put it, or to um, to borrow in order to um, stock up on inventory, right, at its cheapest, but if it takes you too long to sell through the packaging or whatever it is, you just can't get on top of that it took that kind of level of understanding and really going over the financials over and over and over again until I understood, really understood them to get us through the transformation of where we are now. Yeah. 
And uh, nobody knows that stuff going in. And and like you said, you know, talk talk to uh, lawyers, accountants, and I mean, they're all valuable and they provide great advice. But there's really nothing like talking to uh, peers, other practitioners mm-hmm. that have been there, done that. Whether it's the financial side, like you said, just understanding the basics. And and many of us that are more kind of visionary in terms of our leadership style. Uh, mm. don't know anything about the financial side. I mean, it mm-hmm. took me years to sort of figure it out. I never quite got it. And I always mm-hmm. just tried to find people that could help and mentor and teach me to do it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't the part I enjoyed as much, of course. Um, so it's, it's easy to avoid. And you can fall into that trap. And the, some of the things that you're talking about are the basics of business, right? Just mm-hmm. managing cash flow, debt, inventory, um, all of the things that go, especially in the retail world that you're in. Um, so it was nice to see you get through that, get through that phase. It seems that more recently you're, you're really focused on taking that foundation and figuring out not just how to grow for growth's sake, but how to grow a certain way, uh, building on the core values that you and Jason have, including your team. I know you recently have gone through um, a visioning process and 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 for people to think, well, that's supposed to be done at the beginning. Well, we might have a vision at the beginning. We may not, we may not write it down. We may not live it, but um, the fact that 10 years into it, you said, okay, we've got to really figure out who we are and that's going to help take us forward. Talk to me about the process that you went through to establish that vision, by the way, in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, yes. Uh, I felt as well, I, I'm going to say as we were coming out of the pandemic, of course, here we are uh, still rather mired in it. <laughs> <laughs> After the first year of the pandemic, I felt a strong need to uh, re reimagine what we were um, or what we are and what we're going to be and uh, found that, um, you know, I, I worked on it on my own and, and I could, I, I felt stuck in writing my vision and, and ended up working with Stephen Wilkinson to help me to, to help me write was what was really locked away inside. Because I, I think that I think that a business is, I think we're, we're kind of conditioned to think of businesses as like these cold things that are run by financials and they, they sort of tick along like a machine and they, sometimes they chew people out and spit them out. Like there's just this weird, like, you know, profit mongering that, that kind of cold idea of business. And, and I think really what was so beautiful when I found Small Giants was that really seeing that a business is actually a beautiful collection of people with like purpose, right? So the vision had to be something much more warm and personal than I was willing to let it be. And I needed help pulling that out. And so that process looked like me writing a dreadful like <laughs> scientific treatise on the perfect business uh, in five years time and then crumpling that up and throwing it away. And then 
generating something that was much closer to my heart, which, which was actually born much more out of my journaling practice because it's a, that's a comfortable way for me to write. So I ended up writing essentially a future journal mm. of days that have not yet happened. And, and then interspersed with that, the more technical pieces of what the company will look like in five years time. So for me, that process, and I think a, a process of writing a vision is very personal. I think it's, it's going to be different for, the, for different people and different businesses. But I do think that, I think that the value of it cannot be overstated. It's absolutely an incredible thing to do. And I read it out loud to my team. It's quite long. It took an hour for me to read it out loud. And from the minute the words came out of my mouth, I could feel the vision starting to work. Wow. What was the reaction of the team? Did they know that you were going through this on your own and working with Steven to put this down? And were they surprised and shocked? Were they, you know, what was their reaction in, in sitting and listening to this new vision? They were very aware that I had been in this process and, and the, and I should give the caveat that when I read it to them, it was for feedback. I, I would, even though I'm writing the vision, it's the vision of us all. So I incorporated their voices to the extent that I could, because we're a small company and we talk a lot about, you know, what we enjoy and what we'd like to see and the changes that we feel need to happen. But also I wanted their feedback and, and I told them flat out when I was writing my vision, I allowed myself to not be perfect because I knew that if I forgot something, they would definitely let me know. <laughs> and they did. So we have the, the voice of everyone, at least every team has a voice in the final product. Now, the real work starts, which is to live that vision and bring it to life beyond the amazing feeling that everybody got participating mm -hmm. and then looking at it as, quote, a finished product. How do you keep the energy going to bring that vision to life on an ongoing basis? Of course, we're, uh, you know, a few weeks in, <laughs> but so far we're, you know, that, that's, that's the million dollar question, especially during this pandemic time when it seems like we never have a full team present. Um, and so far, my, I guess my anticipation is that the energy that we need to, to execute this vision ultimately comes from our excitement of where we want to be in it's actually about four years at this point. And so it's keeping that endpoint in front of us. So mm -hmm. we need to have those reminders of where we'll be in four years, but also staying in the moment and seeing all of the small steps that have to happen now. And I think that the scary part is looking at because there's not just the small things today. There's the small things like once these are all done, there's the next layer of small things. So I feel like it's, you know, the magic is in, it's in a balance between looking four years out at how exciting it will be to have made it. And then also 
staying focused much more closely and not getting overwhelmed by, but what's, what about a year from now? So we'll see, we'll see. And we have cheerleaders. We have, we have people lined up to help us along the way. Cause I have no doubt that the, that, you know, overwhelm is, is also going to be part of this process and working through that overwhelm is, you know, one of the skills that is, is going to be strengthened as we make our way uh, to year four. Yeah. Uh, I remember specifically one of our peer group meetings where you talked about a realization that you had come to about yourself or as a leader in business. And, and that was that it's okay to be yourself at work. You went through some personal challenges. You had COVID, you know, we, uh, lots that was going on in your life. And I think, again, back, back to maybe what you thought business was about, that, that maybe you thought, well, it's I shouldn't share or I have to put a veneer up or I have to be a certain way. And I, it seemed that you, you had some sense of relief when you realized that it's okay to be yourself and be vulnerable and genuine and actually share that with your team, no matter what it is you're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely, Paul. And, and, and here's the funny thing, though. <laughs> I had to relearn that when I was committing things to paper, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I found that uh, similarly, you know, um, one of the big barriers to me writing my vision, why I just couldn't get anything on paper, was that I had this feeling like we have an elegant brand. We make gifts. It's very beautiful. But when you come hang out at McCray's, we are silly. We're silly. We're irreverent. We're, we're, <laughs> you know, a little bit nuts sometimes. And does that, you know, like that doesn't, does that square with an elegant brand? It's almost like the entire thing, like, you know, like I said, I had to learn it all over again and realize that, you know, we are, we are who we are and, and, and us being having fun and being silly and working through every problem. And, um, that, that is part of who we are and it's a wonderful part of who we are and it doesn't need to be hidden. <laughs> right. But that means you don't have to hide it either. Right. You exactly. can be yourself and, and they, they will help you. I, I got to believe that having that team of whether it was, you know, the 18 people or more than that during the holidays helped you through some of these tough times that you were going through. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we have really practiced being open and honest with one another. I mean, I really think in this day and age there, you absolutely have to be. Um, every day we get another scare. Like we were just talking today about how exhausting it is to continue, you know, to be putting masks back on after, you know, after feeling like we were pretty safely able to take them off. Now we feel like we have to put them on again. And it, and it, it, it isn't just putting on a mask. I think there is a level of people are worn out and we need to make sure that we're honest with each other about how we feel. And I certainly feel that freedom much more so now than I have in the past. And, um, and I believe my team does as well. So 
Well, I think yeah. you're setting you're setting a great example. Uh, can you think of maybe a really humbling decision or tough decision that you've had to make as a leader um, in the most recent couple of years? I would say the the hardest decision that I made as as a leader, and when I say I, I mean this is myself and Jason and our business partner Jim together when. I think it was March 20th, 2020, we decided we just had to lay everyone off on, until we could see what was happening in the market. That was the single worst day um, and the most difficult thing for me to tell people, in spite of the fact that we were pretty sure we would immediately have people come back at least on a part-time basis. But it just felt so frightening and it felt like something that I had never wanted ever to do to our people. And yet, and, and I talked to advisors outside of McRae's completely before I did that. And it, it, it was probably the single best decision we ever made in terms of then being able to bring people back, right? That we still have jobs for everyone, partially because we took that step that day. Yeah. Yeah, you, that, that was such a tough time for everybody and and uh but you handled it with grace and like and and determination knowing it was the right thing to do and and we're able to bring people back when things um kind of cleared up as you think about the your own leadership journey kate what what do you feel like is one area that you would like to still improve upon Mm. well there's a lot of areas but i think how to put it into words this piece where we are making this plan and executing this plan and we recently lost one of our uh one of our employees um decided to retire to move on i i feel like there's a part of me that still wants to shrink away from really to shrink away from leadership period, even though I want to be a leader and a really good leader, part of me wants wants to run away from (laughs) decision-making and, and because there's always that fear of like, what what if, what if I make a big mess of this? And, you know, even sometimes I feel that we just got back from Atlanta from the big gift show in Atlanta And I always have to take two days to acclimate to it because there's part of me that just feels, I guess maybe like feels I don't own the title of leader yet. And, and I think that when you are a leader that you've got to own that (laughs) because along with that comes that powerful representation of yourself. And I'm talking about personal power, not power like might. Yeah. You know, that powerful representation of yourself for, gee, if I'm hiring someone, I, I want to powerfully represent who I am and who McCraze is. Like, what what are you signing up for? And and not shy back away from from that role or from that power. So I think I don't I don't know what to call that in a nutshell. Is that confidence or is that um, just owning my role or 
Well, yeah, I think there's a that's... I think there's a sense of humility actually there, which is charming <laughs> because you you know I, I do think I, I think you're you're doing all the things that good leaders do. And and so you may never want that title. You may never feel comfortable accepting that, but that's what you are and who you are. Um, and you're and you're always getting better at it. So I think that's very telling. You know, as you think back to how you've grown the business and even how um, you and Jason started the business, kind of my last question is what advice you would give to somebody that's just starting out? Mm. I think it would be to uh, find, find those people who are successfully doing what you want to do and introduce yourself to them, reach out to them. I think, I think that people love mentoring one another and helping one another. I know I do. I love talking to people about business. And uh, that has been the most helpful and also like a fulfilling thing that, that I have done is talk to other people and, and take what they're saying, really um, take it and dig into it and learn about it and and don't don't try to don't go it alone, right? It's it's too hard. <laughs> uh, that's great advice. Uh, I, I I still talk to my my twenty year old daughter who's thinking about going to nursing school, and uh, all the time saying, "Well, we know this person who's a nurse. Just talk to them." And mm-hmm. and and so she's still so shy, doesn't want to reach out, and and uh, you know it's a young person. It just takes time to do that. But as you realize. Um, there's just so little that we really know about how to do this stuff. And, and you're also right that people that have some experience are more than happy to share their perspective mm-hmm. and, and be a sounding board or just share experience. And that's mm-hmm. how you learn. And, and you have been so good at that uh, along the way, which I think has accounted for a great deal to the kind of business that you built, um, not just a good, successful business, but a business that's really making a difference and having an impact. Uh, and, you know, I know there's so much more to come for you and the whole, uh, the whole team there. Um, I want to end with these five quick hit questions, uh, just like the association game cage is sort of whatever comes to your mind. Um, can you name, name a leader that you look up to? Mm. Name a leader that I look up to. Well, I'll say, I really appreciate Hillary Clinton after seeing her um, uh, masterclass. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How about a great uh, book that influenced your leadership style? Mm, a great book that influenced my leadership style. Well, I'm going to pick the book I'm reading right now, which is Braiding Sweetgrass. Hmm because it is a book about incorporation and pulling the way I look at it, everything from your past, um, everything from your life together. Um, so in this book, she's pulling together her science and her, her life as a Native American. And, and, and the, the way she pulls those things together, I think is immediately applicable to the business world. That's awesome. That sounds like a great book. Uh, uh, what's your all-time favorite movie? All-time favorite movie, Princess Bride. All right. 
Great one. Uh, how about a favorite TV series you like to binge watch? Hmm. Um, we just finished, oh, uh, Lasso, Ted Lasso. Oh, that's so good. Loved um, it. Loved it, yeah. Uh, all right, lastly, what is something about you that many people don't know? Oh, something about me that people don't know? Oh my gosh, Paul, all I do is talk, so I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I went to the Royal Winnipeg Ballet when I was 13 years old for a summer and uh, enjoyed it very much. Didn't really connect that I was going to have to go through customs, though. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's one of those examples of my mom saying, yes, go, go. And then looking at the map of where I went after I got on the plane. Wow. That sounds like a great experience. Um, it was. Well, Kate, you know, it, it's been just a joy to, to get to know you and follow your journey over these last few years. I want to reflect on a few things that, that you said that I learned today. Uh, I love how you and Jason wanted to just be creators of something that that's just a beautiful way to look at starting a business um, and using the experience you guys already had as scientists to say, you know, we just want to do something and, and create something, even if it took him getting laid off or whatever the circumstances were, it was definitely in you. Um, and, and, and what pushed you was just this, the addiction to seeing the response that people had to trying these candies and you put smiles on people's faces and uh, what's better than that? Um, uh, that, that um, you really were never afraid to ask for advice. I think that that's something that you learned early on um, probably due to your, your folks encouraging your own independence uh, as an only child by being a, that a, a dancer, learning discipline and practice along the way. Um, and then your training as a scientist where you, you really did have to improvise and, and just uh, no matter what, in, make decisions and, and uh, live with those decisions right or wrong and get better. And I think as when you got into business, you realized that you didn't have to do that on your own, that you could talk to other people who had been there before you and they could provide um, some advice and that um, you continue to go back to the well, which you should always do. And the nice thing is now you're paying it back by sharing your experience with other people. Uh, I love how in the last year, you know, year into the pandemic, you said, look, we need to figure out who we are and where we're going. And so you sat down to write that vision, which can be really hard for people. And probably a little of your science mind was, was what you were first putting down there and realizing that, no, no, I can do this from the heart. And with some help from Stephen and, and others and your own team, you were able to put something together that um, was a, a really beautiful description of where uh, you guys want McCrae's to be over the next few years. And I think that's really going to guide you uh, going forward. And that, that the vision stays alive by keeping that endpoint in front of you and continuing to go back to it and reminding as we make decisions every day, this is why we're making this decision because this is where we want to be. Um, and, and I also just love how you have opened up yourself to um, share everything that goes on in your life with your team and realize it's okay to be that way. Um, I'll be honest that sometimes I'll see women in business that are almost afraid to be themselves because they think they got to be somebody else. And so 
um, you you came to the realization that it's okay to be yourself, and um, and that has driven good decisions. But I think has driven relationships with your employees and customers that are extremely valuable. And that it takes practice to be open and honest, and it's something we work at constantly. But it's okay uh, to to be that way, and that that it's never a hundred percent comfortable being a leader. Right. There's sometimes you're going, this is, is this what I really want to do? Or do I want to be just back, you know, behind the scenes doing other stuff? Um, but you know what, Kate, you're really good at it. You are really good at it. And, and I think that, I think you're, you're in the right place. And, um, and I think your, your advice for people about just seek out others, everybody's going to say yes to a request to help you and provide that experience and advice. So, um, I learned a lot. I learned some things I didn't know, um, I wish you and Jason and your team the best and will continue to follow your, your journey going forward. Excellent. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, thank you for being on the podcast and everyone in the audience. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about purpose-driven leadership, go to smallgiants.org or follow us on Twitter at Small Giants Buzz. Until next time.